Church family, I want to talk with us about five benefits that the church receives in a time of crisis. A crisis is defined as an emotionally significant moment that radically changes life. That's what a crisis is. It's a turning point that can be for good or for evil. And church family, this is a time that we've never walked before. But I want to promise you, we are going to come out the other side better for it in five specific ways. And in the providence of God today, we are as a church working our way through the book of Ephesians for the past three months. And of all things, this Sunday is our last Sunday and we're in Ephesians chapter six. Please take your Bibles. Verse 10 is where we start, but I'm telling you, there are going to be in these verses five benefits for the church in crisis. And we would never have been able to experience this if it wasn't for what's going on around us. I want us as a church not just to survive. God put it in my spirit at the beginning of this, when I was in Nigeria a month ago, and God said, get ready. Airlines are going to shut down. Everything's going to shut down. He warned me. I could see it all unfolding. And God said, Fred, you be faithful to me. You lead with greater shepherding diligence than ever before in your life. And you and your congregation will come out the other side better than you've ever been in the history of your church. And I'm believing that. Now, when you walk where you've never walked before, there are five things that are possible. And it all happens because of the context of things we're facing. I mean, just think of it. We're living in a day right now when airplanes are empty and hospital ERs are over flooded. We're living in a day when Kids are out of school. Now, when do they ever cancel school except for a snow day? Not in my lifetime. But now it's not just a few days or even a few weeks. It looks like it's going to be a month and a half, maybe longer. The kids will be out of school. Who ever heard of such a thing? Who ever thought that we'd be living in a lockdown? Unheard of. This is a crisis, but church family. I want to take us to a higher level. The temptation as a pastor, and I'll be honest about this, the temptation is to want to preach feel-good message, positive thinking message, or just useful for your own personal life. God has told me today to take you as the, as the church to a higher level, to see a higher perspective. And these benefits, five benefits for the church in crisis. You see, when you walk where you've never walked before, you gain strength you never knew you had. That's number one benefit. When you walk where you've never walked before, you gain strength you never knew you had. Now it says right here in Ephesians 6 verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power or in the strength of his might, as it says in another translation. Now just think about that. Be strong. Well, 
When you face a crisis like we're in, we've all felt weak. Our nation feels weak. Our economy feels weak. Our healthcare system feels weak. Everything is being shaken. These structures are being tested around us and weakness is rising to the surface. Within the church, we have felt intimidated at times, fearful, fretful. This scripture is a promise of hope. We are not being asked to do something that's outside of our capability. When it says be strong in the Lord, the only condition is that you're in the Lord. And for you and I who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are in the Lord. We are in Him. And our identity is in Him. Our calling is in Him. Our gifting is in Him. Our, our anointing, the empowerment to live as we are called to live is in the Lord. Now, it doesn't say be strong in yourselves, be strong in your finances, be strong in your own emotional well-being and emotional health. It says be strong in the Lord. Now, the next two words are somewhat unusual. When it says be strong in the Lord, it's the word dunamis in the Greek, which we, of course, translate as dynamite. But be that strong. Have a dynamite charge in yourselves. Now, where is that found? It's in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, when it says the strength, the word is really dominion or authority. In the authority you have in Christ and the strength of his might, it's the authority of his might, which really means his ability. Not in our own ability, but in his ability. Now, when you put authority and ability together, you have everything you need. And let me explain. So the word translated strength for in the strength of the Lord, in his strength, is the word dominion or authority. The word for might is the word for ability. Now in the English language, we often get confused between may I or can I. May I gives you permission. Can I, well, that's up to you, but it's, it's power. This verse promises that if we're in the Lord, we have the may I and the can I both put together. And yes, we may. And yes, we can. The may is the authority and the can is the ability. And in Christ, we have both. Now, I've got to tell you a cute little story. I have a dear friend who's one of my eccentric friends. He happens to be a pastor. He's in Minnesota. His name is Kevin Walzak. This past year, Kevin took a challenge from a, a small group of buddies to a push-up competition. Now, it wasn't, they weren't going for 10 push-ups, 100 push-ups. I mean, a lot of us like to do the push-ups for how old we are. Well, Kevin was turning 60 and he, he thought, well, 60 push-ups. No, not 60, not 600. Kevin took the challenge and his goal was 3,600 push-ups. Now, I figured this out. Why did he pick 3,600? And it's the reason 
It's, it's because not 60, which he was turning in his age, but 60 times 60. Can you imagine? No one would ever imagine such a thing. To me, it's just so far gone. But he got up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He got up at 3.30. He was at the gym by 4. And he did 10 push-ups every minute for 360 minutes, for six hours. He did, and he did one for good measure. He did 3,601 push-ups. Now, now, I share this because he didn't think he would, no one would think they have the strength to do such a thing. But by willpower and by a little insanity, he accomplished something that no one would ever think possible. What I want to tell you is regardless of whether you and I will ever win a push-up competition, we, there is more strength in us than we ever dreamed possible because we are in the Lord. And that's the benefit. Right now, church, recognize that despite any global pandemic, any national emergency, any local lockdowns, there is power in Christ in you. You have both the permission and the power, both the authority and the ability to do everything God expects of you. That's benefit number one. You discover strength you never knew you had. The second is when you walk where you've never walked before, you win battles you never knew you could. Now it says here in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. Now what this is talking about is the rank of the demonic world. The, there are demons that are like generals and demons that are colonels and lieutenants and infantry, different ranks of demons. That's what this is talking about. But what it's saying is we get to win battles that we never knew we could. Why? Because we are in Christ. And I want to just tell you, in case you haven't figured it out yet, this COVID-19 has been locked onto by more demons than any other plague in our lifetime. And I don't just mean it physically. It's being twisted internationally, politically even in our own nation, but more demons have locked onto this thing. This is why I encourage you and I encourage our people don't in spiritual places in your prayer life try to fight this virus. Just keep your focus on the Lord. Keep your focus on Christ and declare his authority over this virus. Because the scripture says that God gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But in the middle of that verse, it says every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. What that means is every demon that's locked on to COVID-19 
will one day bow their knee and confess with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. And because of that, our Christ is greater than this virus. And our Christ is greater than all the demons of hell and greater than the devil himself. No, the Bible says they overcame him, referring to the enemy, the devil, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their own lives so as to shrink from death. And church family, I wanna tell you, now's the time for us to discover in this crisis, that in Christ, we win battles we never knew we could. The third benefit of a church facing crisis is we discover places we never knew existed. Now at the end of verse 12, Ephesians chapter six, it says explicitly here that we wrestle, listen to this, we wrestle in heavenly places. Now that word used here, heavenly places, is used five times in the Bible. This is not the only place, but what is unique is that the only place in the entire Bible where we find that phrase, heavenly places, is in the book of Ephesians. And it's a relatively small book, it's only six pages. But five times it refers to heavenly places, and I want to try to make this easy. You see, you and I live in a physical world right here on earth, and we, this is where we live, it's where we marry, it's where we uh, carry out life, uh, where our family, our church family, and so forth, it's where we function on earth. But then when we come to know Christ, we learn about heaven, that there is one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he created all things, and he sits above the earth in heaven. And there in heaven is perfect peace and blessing. But what this verse is talking about is not that heaven. This is talking, and it's using a unique term, heavenly places. And what we're going to discover this morning and what we're going to discover through this crisis, and I'm telling you, this is an eye-opener. And that is that there is not just heaven, which is real, and earth that's real. There is a third realm in the middle called heavenly places, and that's where the battle is taking place. That's where we wrestle. We don't wrestle on earth with uh, flesh and blood. We don't wrestle in heaven because he's God and we're completely compliant and submissive to the Lord. But the realm we wrestle in is that middle realm between heaven and earth. Now, before you tune out, before you say, oh, pastor, uh, I, I'm having enough trouble figuring out earth and I'm, I'm getting to know heaven. Don't confuse us. No, my friend, this is not confusing. Even the fact that this verse tells us that we're wrestling in heavenly places, please don't be intimidated. Don't tune out. Please follow with me. This is the most magnificent thing. What we find in the book of Ephesians. Again, five times this phrase is used. 
The first is in chapter 1, verse 3. It says that we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So even though we wrestle in heavenly places, Ephesians 6.10, it says in Ephesians 1.3 that that is where we are blessed with every blessing is in heavenly places. The second time is Ephesians 1 verse 20. In verse 20, it says that Christ is seated in heavenly places and all things are subject to him. Then the third place we come to this phrase is in Ephesians chapter 2, and it says there that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. The, third, the fourth time that we come to this phrase, heavenly places, is in Ephesians chapter 3, and it says in heavenly places, God through the church declares the manifold wisdom of God in heavenly places. So the first time we are blessed with every blessing in heavenly places. The second time Christ is seated in heavenly places with everything under his feet. The third, we are seated with him. The fourth, we are declaring in heavenly places to all the demons that are up in the heavenly places, we're declaring the manifold wisdom of God. That's the church is doing that. And now having that as our undergirding, that we are blessed in heavenly places, Christ is seated in heavenly places, we are seated with Christ, and there we get to proclaim to all the demons the wisdom of God. Now when we're told that we wrestle in heavenly places, it should not be at all intimidating. In fact, here's the deal. Christ of the three realms, earth, heaven, and heavenly places in the middle, Christ today is in two of those realms. He's in the top two. He's seated at the right hand of God in heaven. And he exercises his full authority over the second realm. We today are in two of the realms, the bottom two. We're obviously on earth. We're not yet in heaven, the third realm. But the middle realm, heavenly places, we also are there. And there's a reason for this. Because we are blessed in heavenly places, because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, because it's there that through our worship, through our prayer, and through our lifestyle of righteous integrity, we are declaring today in heavenly places the wisdom of God. Because of that, we today wrestle in heavenly places. Not struggling for let's see who's going to win this battle, but to give us victories. God makes you a winner. A winner. He makes me a winner. So that every wrestling match we have, we win first in the heavenly realm and then on earth. That's why Jesus said, I give you authority. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. He's talking about the heavenly places. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in the heavenly places. 
God is teaching the church today to exercise our authority in the heavenly places. Why? Because we are blessed in heavenly places. Because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Because he chose through us as the church to declare his wisdom in heavenly places. And he wants us to log victories in the heavenly places. My brothers and sisters, for too long, you and I have tried to win our battles on earth and we keep losing because we're not fighting in the right realm. When God gives you authority, he gives you authority, not first on earth, he gives you authority first in the heavenly places, and he wants you to exercise that authority in prayer, in worship, in declaring his praise, and in your righteous lifestyle of integrity in your daily life on earth. It declares there in heavenly places. Every time you get up for a midnight feeding or care for your child as you should in the middle of the night, you're declaring in heavenly places the righteousness of God. Every time you make a righteous business choice, even if it hurts you personally, but you refuse to compromise because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, in heavenly places you're declaring grace wins, Jesus wins. No, when the church goes through crisis. We discover strength we never knew we had. We win battles we never knew we could. We discover places like heavenly places we never knew existed. And number four, we take hold of weapons we never understood. Now it says here twice, once in verse 11 and then again, in verse 13, it says, put on the whole armor of God. And I want to walk us through this. The first six correspond with, with Roman armor. Now there's two sections to the Roman armor. There's the three pieces that are put on first that they wear at all times. And there are three pieces that they carry with them just in case. During battle, all six are used, but in peaceful times of conversation or meals, there's only three. And the first three cover the core. There's the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes. But then they pick up the three other armors when they leave the barracks or their tent to go out toward the battle. They carry them. In battle, they put them on. And it's the shield, the helmet, and the sword. So three to cover the core, three the periphery. But as Christians, we have a seventh piece of armor. And it's all prayers there in verse 18. And pray in the spirit with all prayer. You say, oh, but that's after. That's the next sentence. No, it's not the next sentence. As we've learned, the book of Ephesians has many run-on sentences. There's six of them in the entire book. This is the last one. And it runs from about verse 12 all the way through verse 19 or 20. And so when it starts to say, put on the armor of God, the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the take up the shield, the helmet, the sword, it continues right on without taking a breath, without ending the sentence, and pray in the Spirit with all prayer. 
So when we pray in the Spirit, we're taking the armor of all prayer. Now, every piece of these seven pieces of Christian armor correspond to a piece, uh, to, to something, some aspect about Christ. The belt, Christ is our truth. Jesus said, I am truth. You shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. When the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. He's the truth. He is our righteousness. He's the breastplate. He is the gospel. He's the shoes. He is the faithful one. It says in Revelation, faithful and true. He's our shield. He's our savior. You shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. He's the helmet. He's the sword. He is the word of God, the living word of God. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he is the one who lives to make intercession for us. When we take all prayer, we're receiving Christ as our intercessor. The one who intercedes for us and in us as we pray in the spirit. No, when, when you go where you've never been before, you take hold of weapons you never understood before. Now, the final blessing for the church in crisis is that we get to fulfill a mission we never knew was possible. You see, this passage ends not with a fight, but with an advance. This is not a defensive moment. It's not a defensive posture. And let me say, the church may be under lockdown. That is, we all have to stay home. But let me tell you, the church will never be on lockdown. Now, I'm not saying we defy orders. In fact, for my congregation, I exhort you, stay home. Absolutely, 100% observe the limitations placed upon us. And there are some specific exceptions for those that go to groceries or go to the hospital or those that must work in their venue and in their house. But let me say, church, the gospel is not on lockdown. Your prayer life is not on lockdown. Don't think that because you're staying home, you are any less strategic. And this curfew, this quarantine will lift. We will make it through this time. And when we come out the other side, please, church, let's understand that we, as Jesus said, must work while it is yet day, for night comes when no one will work. Now it says here toward the end of this passage, and pray also for me, that it may be given me words when I open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Jesus said, as recorded in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all nations and then the end will come. No, church, now is the time to resolve when this curfew, when this quarantine, when this lockdown is lifted. 
that when you get to leave your house, you will leave as one on mission for God. That you will take every opportunity that you have to share the good news of God's love with your neighbors. That you will invest every dollar you have to, to reach the final unreached people on earth. Now I'm telling you, this is what God is stirring in the church today because we have never been this way before. And when we walk places we've never been before, we discover strength we never knew we had. We win battles we never knew possible. We discover places we never knew existed. We take hold of weapons we never before understood. And we fulfill a mission we never dreamed possible. There is a moment that we're facing that's a turning point moment. A crisis is a turning point for good or for evil. Church, we will come through this. But I exhort us today, on this Sunday, don't miss our moment, church. Come together. This is a time God is redefining church. The church is not a building. Church is the people on mission for God. And may you utilize this opportunity to gain strength you never knew you had. To understand that you are winning battles in heavenly places that you never knew you could. And even the heavenly places, you're discovering places you never knew existed. You're utilizing weapons that you never knew you had or never understood. And you're fulfilling a vision, a mission, the church on mission that we never dreamed possible. Church, these are our best days. And today is our national day of Prayer. In fact, it's our global day of prayer and fasting. And I'm going to just kneel here right now, and I want to encourage you, if possible, where you are, to take a knee in your home, even if you just slide off your couch and put one knee down, however it works for you. But let's humble ourselves before the Lord on this global day of prayer. Father, we humble ourselves today. We come in Jesus' name low before you. And we ask you, Father, today, first of all, as we have heard the message, that, Father, as we walk through this crisis and we walk where we've never walked before, that we would understand we have strength we never knew we had. That we can win battles we never thought possible. That we would see the heavenly places we never knew existed. That we would utilize weapons we never understood. And we would fulfill your mission in a way we never thought possible. Father, we are humbled under this global pandemic. And on behalf of people throughout our nation, 
particularly, Lord, in New York City, here in, in Atlanta and throughout Georgia, in Washington State, and in other places, California, other places that have been hit hard. Father, we pray for every medical professional that you would strengthen them. We pray that the immunity systems would rise. Lord, we bind the effects of this virus and we loose your healing across our land in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that there would be found quickly an antidote, a cure for this disease. But in the meantime, we pray for the facilitation of health care throughout the nations. And Father, we pray that you would remove this scourge, that you would drive away this plague. And while you're healing the land physically, Father, we ask you to heal the land spiritually. We ask you, Father, to heal our land. We want to see the glory of Jesus Christ come to this land again. Restore your glory in the land. We pray in Jesus' name. Revive the church in the United States. We cry out to you and your church around the world in Jesus' name. Now, church family, we're going to put on the armor of God, and you know how we do this. We do it often, and I'd encourage you to say it out loud and repeat these declarations. I put on the belt of truth. I put on the belt of truth. I, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus is my righteousness. I put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Jesus is the good news. I take up the shield of faith. Jesus is the faithful one. I put on the helmet of salvation. Jesus is my Savior. I take up the sword of the Spirit. Jesus is the Word of God. And I take all prayer. Jesus is my intercessor. I stand complete in Christ. And the evil one cannot touch me. Church family, these are challenging days. As your pastor, I want you to know, we are doing everything that God puts in our mind, everything that we think of, everything that we can to serve you at this time. We love you. It's an honor to shepherd you at, uh, through these challenging moments. And I promise you, by the grace of Christ, we will make it through this, and we will come out stronger because of it.